Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to a bonus episode of Freedom Books, Flowers in the Moon, recorded live at the Library in central London earlier this month as part of a series of talks and debates brought to you by the TLS and Book Machine. The subject is literary prizes. How many and what are they good for? And the voices you'll hear are those of our very own Michael Keynes and Toby Lishtig, TLS editors both, and our regular contributor Alex Clark, who has judged many a prize in her time. We do hope you enjoy listening. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the library. It's pipe down o'clock. We're here to have a little chat about literary prizes. I'm calling this chat in my head Posh Bingo. That's mainly an act of self-promotion because I'm writing a book about literary prizes called Posh Bingo. My name's Michael Keynes. I'm an editor at the Times Literary Supplement and I am joined tonight by Mr. Toby Lichtig, also on the Times Literary Supplement, who has, uh, comes to us fresh from chairing the Jewish Quarterly Wingate Prize. And on my right is Alex Clark, who comes to us fresh from... What are you doing? Um, chairing the Encore Award, among many other things. I think we're about to hear something about that. And I believe running the literature side of the Bath Festival. Is that right? You have, yeah, yeah, totally right. Okay, good. Yeah. And they can say more about themselves. That's part of the reason we are here, to learn more about these two corporate stooges. <laughs> uh, I mean, my friends, Alex and Toby. Um, so what we're going to do is, um, if you can bear it, we're going to talk for a little bit. We're going to hear about their experiences of judging prizes, talk about prizes more generally. And then I hope that you are all ready to say something absolutely fascinating and really quite pithy about prizes yourself. If you've come here with, I, I don't know, a bone to grind or an axe to throw or whatever. Well, I don't know. I'm not a writer, so I don't know. Whatever you do. Okay, so understand we're going to talk for a bit and we're going to do these other things. I must first of all give a couple of house notices. Fire alarm goes off. It's that way. The staff will tell you what to do. Stand still while they get out or something. The hashtag for the event is #TLSBookMachine. I bet you couldn't have guessed that. This event is organised by BookMachine and the TLS. And I think the last thing I need to say is just early notice that on May 16th, there is another event here. It will be chaired by another TLS editor, Theolena Duzzi. She'll be talking with people about small presses. It's going to be damn fine. So, the first thing I need to say is, oh, well, I don't really need to say anything. I need to ask the usual things, things that people have been saying since even before there was a Booker Foundation. Are there too many prizes? What's the role? Are they bad for us? They stop you reading the... We've got an answer. We can all go home. <laughs> all the usual questions, I'm sure, are already in your mind, so therefore I don't need to say too much about them right now. First thing I'm going to do is ask Alex to say something about... What's she been doing in Prize World? How did it start for you, Alex? Can you tell us where God, you are now? I can't remember the first thing I... 
first time I judged a prize. I was really, really excited to be asked to do it. It might have been the Encore Award, which is an award for the best second novel, hence the name, and it is privately endowed, and it has a kind of standing committee, and actually it was a previous fiction editor at the TLS, Lindsay Duguid, who was the first person who ever gave me a job in what we sort of call journalism, the nice end of journalism, uh, who was a judge for many years and the chair of judges for many years, and she asked me to, and I just thought you get masses of free books and, and lunch and like your and it's and kudos now, and kudos. Now I'm not sure you get that much kudos. Now I have to say, fast forward, like I don't know, a lot of years, too many years, and I'm so over. This isn't, nobody's filming or tweeting. I'm so over-prized this year, like, because there were things I just couldn't say no to. So I always do the Encore Award, now entering its kind of, uh, sort of final stages of decision-making. Mm -hmm. Just been sitting on the kind of, sort of like the first meetings for the Orwell Prize. Mm -hmm. Coming up, a bit later in the year, is the, ah, uh, uh, Pen Pinter Prize. Okay. And then also and the Gordon Byrne Prize, which I could never turn down in a million years because Gordon Byrne is one of my complete heroes, as Toby knows, because I've just written a long piece for him about the state of contemporary fiction in which there is a sort of possibly quite mad <laughs> detour for a long way via my love of Gordon Byrne. That's correct. <laughs> Is that any sort of answer? <laughs> that sounds like a good answer. So there's been a lot of prizes in your life. It's all about keeping the piles separate on the floor. Yeah. But you're all about that and only that. Also working at, over the same period as a reviewer in which yeah. you get to give your opinion, maybe in yeah. 300 words, maybe in 3,000 words, or somewhere in between. But this is a slightly different way of judging and talking about those books. Yeah. You wouldn't otherwise read. You are reading for a while, Yeah, you read you? things. that. In fact, the more you read something that's outside your thing. So I mainly mm -hmm. review fiction, but when I get asked to do things that involve focusing on books that are also non-fiction, say as the Orwell Prize is, then mm -hmm. it's really exciting for me because I don't always... So does that mean that the process of judging is, is different then every time? Yeah, you do it, it is. And, and usually one hopes for a prize like that where there's a certain kind of hybridity to it, mm -hmm. then the selection panel is kind of carefully chosen so that people bring sort of different uh, strengths to it. One hopes that that's the case. And it seems as well that in the case of the Encore Prize, this is a prize with... I mean, there was a celebration at the British Library, wasn't there? I think, did you chair that talk? Was it Ian Sinclair and a few other yeah. people? Who could, who could talk about the good things that they've done I for them at a crucial point it, in their career? Despite my notch down, only slight notch down from Gordon Byrne, my hero worship of Ian Sinclair. I thought, <laughs> I can't... I'll, I won't be able to ask anything, but I did manage to... Yeah, 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 yeah. people were threatening to walk home with him at the end of that talk. It's probably quite alarming for him. But so does that confirm oh. what you thought about what the Encore Prize is for? That it's a good thing, not necessarily in terms of raising the profile of a writer the way some other prizes might do, but it's a career kind of prize. It helps yeah, them even if not... I actually think it's saying you're... You, you know, you've you've written your first novel and whatever, sometimes it's very successful, oftentimes it's not, however good it's been, it's not sold, anyway, it's not translated into sales, you've yet made it through to write a second novel and here is just someone saying, keep going, and also here is £10,000, and for me, <laughs> that tax-free, for me... Sorry, say that again, £10,000. <laughs> tax-free. Uh, for me, that is actually, it is absolutely about investing in somebody's career. Yeah. 
And, well, that sounds the best you know, kind of investment. There's a, yeah. in the Iris Murdoch letters, there's something where she says she, she's won that kind of sum and it's taxed at 83%. She gets nothing really out of that's it at all. Really a, it's not really so a price at all. That's where I get. But you know, I think it's a great. That is a real kind of example of something. Where of course I would think that because mm-hmm. I'm involved with it. Uh, but we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later when it becomes the prize is just the sort of cultural thing quite aside. It has a cultural identity quite aside from what's actually happening. Is where the problem is. Right now, that's, that's very good. But okay, that's, we'll go there. I'm Should sure. Should we leave that right yeah, there yeah. then? Where the problem is, um, Toby? Would you now like to tell us a thing or two about what you've been up to? A thing or two. About, okay. So I recently judged the J.Q. Wingate Prize, which is the annual Jewish Book Prize uh, in this country. You get about 75 books, all of uh, allegedly Jewish interest. Some are, some aren't. In a, in a way, it actually makes the, the process slightly easier because some were so demonstrably not of Jewish interest that you could sort of not necessarily have to read all of them. Um, it was... I've obviously been thinking about this um, leading up to today. And you know, I tell people it was a, 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 a great process, and it was to a certain extent, and it was great to be asked, and it's a great honour... It was kind of, of a slog as well. I think it would be a, a pointless to pretend it wasn't. And it's, it gives you, certainly for this one, because it's, it's quite a specific one. Um, although, and although it's specific, there are lots of different sorts of genres. So, you know, there were biographies, there was fiction, but they were all of a certain sort of, um, you know, uh, Jewish interest. There were lots of books about the Holocaust. There were lots of books about Israel-Palestine. There were lots of books about kooky families. Those were the kind of the, sort of the, the three main strands. It does give you, I, I find, a slightly peculiar relationship with literature when you sort of bed down for a few months and you read a whole stack of books, many of which, frankly, aren't very good or to your taste necessarily. You've got to you know, give them all due consideration. You can't just read 10 pages and think, well, I'm not getting on with this. You know, It's not really fair on anyone. And I enjoyed it for the gems that we discovered and I was delighted with the, the prize that we all unanimously agreed on and actually it was a, a sort of boringly unfractious process. We all got on boringly well, no one punched each other, you know, it was all, it was all quite pleasant and we chose this great book uh, called The Mighty Franks by Michael Frank. I would urge everyone to get it and read it. It's about this kooky, kooky Jewish family in LA but it's a lot better than that description. So that was great but there was a kind of, ugh, there were times when I was judging it and I was sort of wondering why I was doing it and to what end, other than the, you know, the, the delight of being asked and all of that. And I was sort of talking to the, the, the publisher uh, of the book, the one afterwards, and I said, well, you know, does this, do you think this is going to have a huge impact on sales or even a small impact? And he looked at me and laughed and said, well, maybe an extra 40 or 50 copies will be sold. And uh, the author gets a small cash prize. I think it was £3,000, which is obviously not insignificant at all, and that will certainly help him. Uh, so, you know, it was... It was a good process, and we were pleased with the winner, but I, there was a bit of me that felt a bit sceptical about, about what it was doing and what it was doing for literature. It, wasn't, it certainly wasn't having a negative effect. I just kind of, yeah, I just wondered a little bit. Okay, so those doubts were there as you were doing, undergoing the judging process. Yes. What, can you tell us anything about the judging in terms of your fellow judges? How did it work uh, for you as chair? How, how did it work? So we, you know, we sat down, we whittled down this long list of 75 submitted books to 12. Yeah, again, it was quite a peculiar thing to do, but particularly because this prize cuts across genres. We were, you know, uh, comparing this magisterial history of the Holocaust against that... 19th century memoir of someone's great-grandfather against that comic novel set in the present day and that's 
it's just, you know, it's, it's, I think you've got to take that process with a pinch of salt. And actually, when it came down to the final process, I, I mentioned the magisterial Holocaust history, Lawrence Reese's book, The Holocaust, it's absolutely brilliant. He does the almost impossible task, or he does almost, accomplishes the almost impossible task of throwing new light on, you know, that most written about of, of topics and brings in original research. And sort of weighing that against this very peculiar, idiosyncratic memoir, The Mighty Franks, you know, who's really to say what was the better book in a way we chose the mighty franks because it was slightly less fancied and also you know it's the jewish book prize you don't want a holocaust book to win every single year so there are you know there are political considerations to it you know let's not pretend that it's just about judging literary merit you know other things come into it and we were you know i don't know if i'm being impolitic here by saying it but we were sort of urged at the beginning choose the book you want Please let it not be a book about the Holocaust. <laughs> you know, we we could have chosen it. We, you know, it would have been fine. But anyway, that was that was the way it sort of happened at the end. The actual judging process. We, it, I don't know if it's always like this. It's the first time I've done it. It was actually quite easy. It was quite easy to come to the decision of what the twelve were out of seventy-five. There were maybe five or six other books that could have made it. And when we were whittling down twelve to six, again, the the best books did sort of stand out. Okay, so that was pretty clear. That was pretty clear. And I guess the, the other thing I'd, I'd say about the process was I found reading to judge was very, very different from reading books as a critic and very, very different from reading books totally as a reader. Completely so, different. Alex, is that totally time different. everything Toby's just said in terms of the process? Yeah, I mean, it kind of does. Sounds the same? I, I mean, the awful thing is, for, for your and this room's purposes, I haven't had any terrible storming out yeah. moments in prizes. It's really, <laughs> they all seem to belong in that kind of heyday of past Booker Prize, don't yes, they? Yes, yes. And There's it's a bit all of a about, you great know, myth people, about it. Really, and it, probably they were all made up anyway. <laughs> quite just to get attention. For the press release, etc. But I, it's just... Well, I've got John Calder right here on a bit of paper, I won't read it out, but saying before the Booker Prize was, even came along, saying this would be great, don't worry about who wins, worry the publicity, that's what really counts. Yeah. So yeah. scandal's always been there, and I think as we've heard, people know, Scandal about prizes tends not to be the sort of thing that, that destroys it. It makes it stronger, doesn't yeah, it? We, exactly. saying that? Well, yeah, we were talking about this, so there's that book by James English. It's called That's The Economy right, of Prestige. Yeah. Um, very, it's very, which, very which won a prize. Which won a prize. And it's basically about prize culture and how insidious and terrible it is. And then he won a prize, and that's wonderful. And he, I've actually got a little quote. He says... Um, yeah, so there's, you know, the whole round of criticism is an integral part of the prize frenzy itself. You know, if there aren't people coming out saying... Yeah, it'd be useless, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly, it'd be, it'd be useless. We, ne we need it. It's like the kind of, you know, it's the, 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 you know, it's the, it's the uh, antithesis to the thesis of the prize or whatever. So actually, yeah. the underlying yeah, yeah, scandal yeah. is that there's no scandal. <laughs> A lot of judges I've talked to said I assiduously took notes, I read every book... Somebody told me we sat down to have a lunch, already have a fight, we agreed at the beginning, and then we just ate our lunch and had a nice time. Yeah, so actually, lunch really is actually, it's a really boring kind of bureaucratic process of sorting some books. And as you said, you often know, you know, the really good ones will stand out as a pack. Mm. Choosing a winner is slightly different from choosing a, yep. a shortlist. Yep. Is no, that fair, would oh you say? Oh, God, long list to shortlist. They're just like the sunny uplit yeah. lands <laughs> yeah, where of, of book loving and appreciation <laughs> and fine conversation, fine-ish conversation, better before lunch than after lunch. But... <laughs> The kind of it's just a sort of slog at the final thing, isn't it? Where you have this sense of kind of responsibility in your hands, but you also know posh bingo, etc. By the mm. way, yeah. didn't know you were writing a book called Posh Bingo. Sorry. And that well, we need at least like some acknowledgement, reassurance, and like free copies or whatever. <laughs> this is clearly research. Absolutely, that's why we're recording this. Anything okay, anyone says, okay. going straight okay. in the book. I haven't written it. I just knew it. You all same I haven't had that experience of great contention. It does a lot of it. When I judge the Booker Prize, 
I'm just going to put this out there. Michael Portillo was the chair of judges. You want a politician doing it. They're so good at chairing things. They've done so many boring committees. So <laughs> boring. And they just know how to say, your turn to speak. Now we're voting. You shut up. Let's go home. Brilliant. <laughs> Without anyone feeling really put out by it. Well, by contrast, I, I know there's this famous story about Joanna Lumley judging the booker and thinking, describing it as a shark-infested world. Hooray, that's us. But I know uh, an actress judging a prize right now who said, never again. Absolutely horrible. Just hated it. Didn't like doing it at all. You shouldn't say that to me. I would go home and try and you get try and all find the them. prizes and work out who that might be. <laughs> Good. Well, you, you might be able to work that out. I don't know if anyone else will. We'll find yeah, out okay. in a moment. Okay. But um, for you, it's, you're going to read hundreds of books this year from what you've just said. Yeah. And you don't wouldn't necessarily read otherwise. Is, is, this, is this worth it for you? Um... I mean, some experiences are, are more... I mean, I get exactly what Toby's saying. Some experiences are sort of deeper than others, <laughs> as it were. And certainly, you have to face the fact that you'll read books that you don't particularly personally enjoy, books that you don't think are very good, books where you just don't know why they've been submitted for the prize, and probably also see things that you really love just mm -hmm. fail to find favour with other things. Now, I don't know about you, Toby, but there's always a point in some or other meeting where someone says, a chair usually says, I think we should all speak to the book now. And I just think, <laughs> Christ, I, like, I'm blathering on now, but basically my mode of talking about books is to write about them. And I just think, could I write a review and send it in? Because I will argue my case much better. And, I hit, and I'm then converted by other people who are better at oration than Yeah, and, and sort of so maybe, maybe, maybe kind of rhetorically better or yeah. better on the spot or whatever, which is a very different thing. But then in terms of reading being different, I, I, I felt that there are books that I will review and that I will like and I will like to write about because they, they, they spark interesting thoughts and take you off in diff different interesting critical directions that I wouldn't necessarily want to press into the hands of a friend. Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to judging a prize, you... For me, anyway, I felt like, certainly once you got to the shortlist stage, I wanted to be able to completely recommend any of these books. I don't mean sheer zipping along readability, that awful yeah. statement when it was yeah. the 2011 Booker Prize or whatever, but I, I wanted to be able to say, this book is brilliant and it is, it is intellectually engaging and, and I want everyone to read it. And I, 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 I don't always feel like that when I'm reviewing things. If mm. you're not in a prize, like I'm just thinking of the Women's Prize for Fiction, Long List has just been announced. I actually think it's quite, there's lots of things I really, really like on it. But I had this outrage that this book by Samantha Harvey, The Western Wind, wasn't on it. And I basically just now think everyone who judged that prize is stupid. <laughs> so I, I've kind of got, this has got no legitimacy for me anymore. What are you thinking? You've rejected a complete masterpiece. Idiot. But then you, d you don't know that maybe two people loved it. Two right? people were ambivalent. And, and I, then it also, I also remember, do you remember a few years ago, the Booker Prize, people were outraged because Edward St. Aubyn wasn't mm. on whatever stage of whatever it was. And I really like Sir Edward St. Aubyn. Who doesn't? He's great. Uh, but I remember thinking, what is their problem? Get over it. It's not your prize. You weren't judging it. It's not for you. It's not called the blah, blah, a person prize mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just get into this kind of, you then realise you've got the mindset of the 
the haters. Yeah, yes, <laughs> them. I don't know any myself. Um, but you, I mean, it's only ever, I guess, you could say the judgment of a particular set of people at a particular time. But to qualify that in two ways, one is some people are Alex serial judges. They're back yeah, for more. So you're 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 one of those a nice pompous face critic who has influenced taste. You're one of those people. You know, you've judged a lot of prizes, and it especially goes on in in poetry world, which is seen, I think, quite widely to be. Pro, you know, vulnerable to corruption to one sort or another. I have Go on occasion judged poetry prizes. Have you? And I've literally written back and said, I'm sorry, I think you've got that. I don't know anything about poetry. <laughs> and they always go, no, that's great. We really need like a person who doesn't know. And then you think, it's awful when you're in the conversation because people are having this kind of, they might as well be talking about, you know, quantum physics and you're just going... It becomes quite... Quite technical conversation. Like really technical, really yeah. expert. They know everything about it because that's why they've been asked to do it. And mm. you're just the absolute kind of useless idiot sitting in the corner going, it doesn't rhyme or whatever. You know, it's, it's well, awful. ourselves aside, um, what was you said that mm. there's a there's a wide problem. You know, once you get beyond what you're doing as a, as a judge or chair on a particular prize, what what exactly do you do you have in mind? Let's talk about uh, wider problems. Well, it's I mean, it's a problem in let's be truthful, let's go right to it. It's the booker problem. Mm -hmm. And it's not a problem with the booker mm -hmm. because the booker is doing what the booker has done. And actually it's doing more than the booker has done because it has these sort of spin-off prizes that are actually really, really helpful. Mm. But it's the way everyone else regards it, the circus around it. Uh, and that has spread to a few other prizes, but not really in any way because it is the long established so that when they do the thing, with the American writers, you kind of think, God, they were damned if they did and damned if they didn't. And now, mm -hmm. like, you know, two Americans have won the prize and now everyone's going, oh, my God, that's it. All English writers literally blacklisted forever can never write another word. Mm -hmm. And so you just get this kind of hoopla that is so utterly divorced from the reality of writing and reviewing and thinking about books. And at that point, I think, look, anybody who actually enjoys reading don't really want to have anything to do with prizes. Mm -hmm. Anybody who actually cares about the, how this is all done and who's, what's great to read and how it's going to be in 100 years' time or whatever, this knows this is just, just hooey. It's just newspaper hooey. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, and one way it's that when you talk about getting this attention, which John Calder could see in the 60s, and I think the French have seen for him a lot longer than that, is quite a useful thing for book sales. You realise there's not much in the way of, of book news. You know, I get yeah. like the Lit Hub message every day and the bookseller, and there's always prizes in it because in a way it's a, it's a nice systematised yeah. form of promotion yeah. in which you're yeah. obviously playing a part. Yeah, yeah. But it becomes yeah. this kind of circus. I mean, one thing I think James English maybe gets not necessarily wrong, but need, needs qualifying. As he talks about scandal, you know, especially Booker controversy, but not, not just that, scandal in many forms, um, as helping to establish the brand and the importance of a prize. But nobody I know I've spoken to says, we seek that out now. I think that's partly down to the person, you know, personalities involved, and Martin yeah. Goff and whoever, you know, Philip Larkin trying to jump out the window or something, or saying he'd jump out the window. Yeah. I don't think anyone really wants that. Like you say, it's a more serious business for people who are really actually... Interested in, in well, we the know we know the kind of bottom line answer, don't we? That it just a prize doesn't really matter when something is, you know, when there is a very vibrant cultural scene. If there are huge numbers of people reading, for example, literary fiction, mm -hmm. then you know there are huge numbers of people reading crime novels, and so crime awards are the icing on the cake for for people and a way of rewarding people at the peak of their writing careers they're not make or break for an entire section of the industry. Yeah, yeah. That's a very significant difference, isn't it? One of the first things somebody said to me when I started thinking about the book was, well, what else is there? And in fact, one of the publishers involved in that letter about the boundaries for the book has said more or less the same thing. He said, I think you, you completely underestimate how little chance we have without this prize mechanism for certain types of fiction. Do you, can I just say a thing about that? This is yeah. a letter that publishers banded together to write to the... Booker Foundation to say, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. I'm just... No, 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 absolutely. I'll get so, this point uh, uh, To say, uh, you know, can you please tell... Uh, we don't want the Americans to come in. It was terrible and terrible. Like, they're going to go, shit. <laughs> you're so... You know what, yeah. Do you know what, yes. We are not going to have anywhere. It's the most stupid thing I've ever seen in my life. Sorry, publishers who are here, but what were you thinking? Well, Welcome then, to was, Brexit Britain. Was, was that not also <laughs> just to kind of fan the flames of publicity of the whole thing and kind of feed into the well, thing we talked about yeah. earlier? Let's, let's, get, let's get Toby talking, yeah, because sorry, as I'm fiction editor, does this make any difference to you at all at, you know, reviewing and the idea of boundaries? It shouldn't. I'd be lying if I said it didn't. And, you know... It, Unfortunately, or, or fortunately, or whatever, the, you know, the job that I love, uh, can, you know, totally, totally love. Part of that job is is to kind of keep an eye on lists like the Booker, and it's, you know, Alex and I have both been invited to talk about the Booker long list and short list on front row, or whatever. We accept those invitations. You know, we don't sort of high-mindedly say no. We think it's all a circus, or I don't know. Perhaps you've done so. It, you know, no, I, I'm certainly guilty of contributing to gotta that. Work. So you know, you've got to work. work exactly. You know, and it's it's quite hard to not get sucked into 
to you know, the sort of self-generated excitement of the whole thing. I, I'm kind of pro, in a way, I'm pro there being as many literary prizes as possible in order to dilute the hegemony of the booker and to, you know, try and encourage the media to fan the flames of other awards that I think are possibly more interesting, like the Goldsmiths Prize, for example. And, you know, the, the, the encore is also very interesting. So, I, yeah, I, 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 you know, if, if we are going to engage in this as critics and as journalists and as readers as well, I kind of want more attention across the board. Now, I think in a moment, I think, I hope that other people are going to jump in and say something quite clearly and loudly so it can be heard across the whole of St. Martin's Lane. <laughs> but first of all, I'd just say, on, on the other hand, I mean, we're sort of slightly working towards the um, problems with prizes, but I think a couple of years ago, Adam Gopnik wrote something saying, prize giving is part of literary culture and competing is part of literary culture. Does that seem right to you that this might... There's a way of, of seeing it as this is official culture. This is official culture's awkward way of dealing with the sort of maverick artist or the great work and this is the best we've got as a community or a group or a country or whatever it is how do, how do we deal with that? The other way to think about it is actually it's, in, it's actually intrinsic to it, it's in the bloodstream if you write something people want to show off all that kind of business, do, is there yeah. anything in that? I mean I do think, hmm. I do think it's, yeah I mean we know that the competition you know you can't a running race is a running race and it's not a book and that's different and we know that but it's not that I do think there's an intrinsic harm you don't. to books and I yeah. don't think having just a, there's not an intrinsic harm to big prizes there's not an intrinsic harm to the booker it's the it's the way things are skewed so if mm. you say something is part of the literary well how much is it dominating what everything everything else that happens so it's part it, it's not the prize it's, it's the media it's not you well it's <laughs> also one of the things that sorry this no, is no, when no. I sound sorry it's that way that people get very exercised absolutely understandably and correctly and I do think this is moving on a bit when a prize shortlist comes out and there is it doesn't display diversity in whatever way mm -hmm. and you think well yeah I completely understand that argument this is totally the wrong time to be having it mm -hmm. at the point where you know and I, I know last year when we judged the encore award we'd had so few submissions if any from writers, all like in tiny, tiny numbers from writers. You can only judge the thing that's put in front of you. So the conversation has to go way back. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. That we were very conscious when we were doing the Wingate Prize. I think something like 70, 75% of the books submitted were by men. Um, you know, that's a, that's a problem with the publishing industry. And actually, as it happened, when we came down to our long list and short list, it, in the end, we chose, it was fairly balanced. It was sort of six and six and three and three. But that wasn't actually through any great designs but it, absolutely the problem goes far far further back the chain toby in your experience any prize i've ever judged at the point where you come to pile your long or short list everyone thinks okay what does this list say in terms of gender balance racial diversity class diversity style diversity and I don't. I think that's great that people do that. Yeah, don't yeah, you? no, no, absolutely. And we, we, we were, we know, we, no, 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 absolutely. And we were completely aware. It was, it was easy with, um, you know, sort of ethnic and diversity because it was all Jewish. But, um, but, <laughs> but when it came to sort of, you know, um, gender, gender and stuff, you know, we were, we were aware of it. And it had, it would be, it would, what would have been interesting would be. So I said it was about seventy-five percent skewed male, female. Had that shortlist, or sorry, had that long list been eight men and four women reflecting what was submitted i wonder what debate we would have had as it happened that didn't we didn't need to have that conversation yeah. but yeah i do you know yeah. absolutely i think i, I, I think, think a, to... i think a list does say something well, as, if, you're as also, a... if you're going to accept that sort of mantle which yeah. i mean is overblown of taste taste maker but, you know then you think well we've got to use it for some sort of wider yeah, definitely 
kind of benefit than just saying mm. actually I like that power is kind of there yeah. <laughs> well, no, and also you, you pretend it's not, not you sort of want you want stylistic diversity as well you want yes, you want the actual kind of literary content to be diverse because yeah, yeah. otherwise it, it sort of doesn't really yeah it doesn't really do a service to literature as well as to the people who are writing literature yeah a good point on which to ask whether everyone has any violent, violently disagreeing, or I mean, a confession of... Has anyone here won a prize? I was going to ask that. <laughs> Not yet, good yeah, answer. Yeah, no, this I, man I, here. I, 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 so I, I won, a, I won a, a first novel prize, uh, the Writers Club, um, and I was shortlisted for Costa. Um, and then I set my own prize up, um, probably on, for that reason, as I actually saw what the uplift was of, of being... Um, uh, uh, so, I think on balance, prize is a, a good thing because there are a lot of books published, and we need a filtering process to mm -hmm. a certain degree. Um, otherwise, otherwise it's just white noise. Well, um, one thing I really like about the Republic of Consciousness Prize, I suppose, is, is that it's rather explicit and honest about the fact that this is that, that prizes are often in the long-term awards for for publishers, and that, this happens to be a prize that favours small publishers, whereas some prizes, just by the system in place, do not. They favour the bigger publishers, publishers yeah. who won it before, etc. And it's about and it's explicitly about money, is yeah. in the sense that the prize says we and we give. We give our shortlist money, mm -hmm. whereas most prizes ask the shortlist to contribute to the marketing budget. And I, I, I actually interviewed Neil yesterday, and you, was, you know, it can be crippling for, for very, very small presses. If, what would you say, sort of £3,000 if you're on the Booker? £5,000, you know, if you're a small press and you get on the Booker, is that the long list or shortlist? The short shortlist. You know, £5,000 is, is a fortune to a small press. And... You know, it it's can almost about making sure your print runs are in place. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Really difficult. Yeah. But I think what's it, I, one thing I was going to say, just fi final point. It's interesting. If you look at the Guardian, books are the only thing they don't give five star. That they don't have five star reviews for art exhibitions, films, TV, all culture is five star reviews except books, which is a good thing. But but it does tell you something about how we need to how books somehow are, are a different entity to mm. other bits of culture in terms of how you say this is this is good or not good and and prizes in a sense um are kind of almost kind of filling that gap yeah they're doing the five-star job in a, yeah. in a way um you want to get me started on uh -oh. the fact that when they do the critic of the year it's always someone who's told you whether you know sausages are nice somewhere and never <laughs> someone who can write about Ulysses just well, saying I remember actually <laughs> sorry saying drives me nuts before anyone else says Alex you did write a piece didn't you a few years about the hatchet job of the year and that's the nearest we got to a prize really about critics what did you say about that can you just that was a big moment wasn't it it just pissed me off so much <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was so like they weren't even really good. Rev they weren't well-written reviews, and that everybody knows it's the easiest thing to write. Mm -hmm. Everyone yeah. can slag something off because everyone's angry, and just they were just so lazy, and they were so pleased with themselves. And anyway, that's all I'm going to say. Okay, about so it. at least so we can say the prize is so positive. Yeah, yes. it lasted about three years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and yeah. came to a pretty quick halt after that piece. I can tell you. <laughs> the I power the of the criticism. Uh, has anyone here bought a book on the strength of it winning a prize? One person, two people. Yes, Three, loads of people. Everyone. Okay, that's good. Sorry, did you have something you wanted to say, yeah, Louise? Um, I, uh, we've been talking about so many prizes. I don't know if you're allowed to mention a prize that you've worn, but I really mourn the, um, the Guardian first of all. It's amazing. And I would make so many of my 
buying decisions based on, on that award. And also it has short stories that have poetry and have novels. It was really It was a money decision. No, no, it was the same thing. Sorry, I'm not contradicting. And in a way, that's closer to the traditional French model for a prize, isn't it? That it's a boost for one person. It's rather like the end of the school process rather than the beginning of your career of winning prizes. The bad, the bad sets, were, I, I, I think it's sort of become increasingly ridiculous. It sort of was, was a bit of fun. And then I think the, the thing that I find most annoying about it, and I'm completely guilty of this because I've written one of these pieces as well, is that kind of annual charade where, you know, you get a critic writing a piece about how it's not really, you know, the way the bad sex award works is you isolate funny scenes and it's supposed to be about redundant sex scenes but often they're just you know slightly outlandishly described sex scenes often they're not even badly described and they're not necessarily redundant but then you get a critic coming out saying it's all a load of nonsense and then everyone just jumps around and you know says it's all very funny and you sort of move on i'm not again i'm not really sure it doesn't really do much harm i suppose but i'm not really sure what purpose it serves to literature do you think it's actually it's a bad thing <laughs> I, mean, I, I look okay. at it. Oh, this looks like a cracker. But it, I mean, there is there is something extraordinarily English about it as well. And I think there was a French critic who sort of said, "Just we wouldn't have this sort of prize in France." The idea that you have to sort of there isolate. No there is no bad sex in France, and certainly we would not sex. admit to it. But oh, congratulations! Thank you. And was that was that an honour? Were you pleased? I was, I was and then quietly pleased. No, no. no I read Furious, and I turned up to the event. I was the only person who turned up to the event. And and I, and they 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 didn't read because they, they read it out. They get absence to read it out. Yeah, it's the same. And, um, and they didn't read they didn't read mine out because they essentially said it, it wasn't funny and it was quite well written. Uh, but they were struggling to find. Whatever. So it, it does. It does feel as the world has slightly moved on yeah, yeah. from the from the bad. It was when very. It was, I mean, it was it was sort of naughty when it started. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was also a generational thing because for a long time the party was the party to go to to have to find someone to have sex with. Really, yeah. it was often that and might be bad it. sex. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you it was really about the literary review showing off its own kind of raciness yeah. <laughs> by hosting a party at which you might hear naughty words and then there'd be so much drink everyone would cop off. And it was so it's incredibly crowded you'd sort of accidentally cop off with someone that without even realising. Yeah, you would. It was you would. It was a real yeah. kind of Me Too party, actually. Yeah, totally. So it's a kind of... Totally. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're very often not... Bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. value judgment though that is, but I don't think I don't think it is really a viable post Weinstein prize. Yeah, actually, there's a very very good point. It'll be in. It, I, 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 I bet you it'll happen this year. Then it'll be very interesting to see how it's reported and whether it, whether it sort of gradually fizzles out. Off, but it, I, you know, I'd be surprised if they don't run it this December normally. 
Oh, we'll, we'll see. Well, that's I a good point. I suppose these prizes do, in a way, have the the time, don't they? Sometimes one hopes, of course, the encore will go on forever and the Republic of Conscience oh, prize. Yeah, but um, some of them do seem very much tied to the situation. Has anyone else got any other prize things they want to say or questions for Toby? Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, at the back. Hello. Shout out what you want to uh, shout out. Alex? I've, I've, got the <laughs> coffee table, the coffee table arty. Do you mean like fiction or not fiction? Oh. Oh. Well, there's the uh, narrative library prize that. I buy you a drink. <laughs> that's about it. What about any others, Toby? Uh, no, I can't. Sorry. Why Sorry. do you? And that's the other thing. So the logic of prizes, they do proliferate. You know, there's the Man Booker. Man Booker wasn't deemed to be shortlisting enough women, so you get the Women's Prize. You, it's not deemed to be experimental enough, so you get the Goldsmith's Prize. It's not deemed to be sporting small presses. You get so these things do. So I would just, I just bide your time, and one will turn up. Eventually. Oh God, one will certainly <laughs> one will turn certainly up. Be up. Turn I, up. We, there's a I think, is it, am I right in saying there are over a thousand literary prizes in the US and UK combined? In 1961, there were 451 prizes in France alone. There were 111 in Germany. What people were moaning about in Britain was there wasn't the equivalent of the Goncourt and the Feminin and all that kind of thing. They didn't have that culture. So all we did was really import something. If you go back 100 years, there's people in Britain saying, thank God we're not like those French. We don't treat it like some vulgar competition. Are you writing about it across... I'm trying to, I'm trying to, yeah, Can I ask you a question? I'm just intrigued by this, and I don't, uh, okay. it's going to sound really, I don't know, chauvinistic, I suppose, uh -oh. nationalist. Great. In a really, like, I'm going to cast aspersions on another country, is what good, I'm going to say. You know the Australian one, mm -hmm. the Miles Franklin? Mm -hmm. Like, whenever they say on the back of a book, so-and-so's won the multi, they've always won it about ten times. Yeah. And, I mean, I know this a little bit from interviewing Australian writers, but it's like they're just passing it around, the same people. I didn't say New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that sense, though, isn't it a bit like Poetry World, where it's quite small? I mean, there's a big five of poetry publishers, aren't they? Aren't they? And they tend to win 90, 80 yeah. percent of the prizes. I mean, that's the latest count from a couple of years ago. You put them along with the next two or three poetry publishers, they get it all. They seem to pass it around. Oh, look, so-and-so won it three years ago, now they're a judge. It's one of those things where you, you kind of go, it, it is, is the, a small world. It is the sort of poor problem, isn't it? And in which case, I kind of think, mm -hmm. if you're a, no, you know, a, a very distinguished novelist, perhaps with brilliant international sales, mm -hmm. you might rule yourself out of it one year, don't you think? Yeah, I think there's interesting cases to be made here for Refuseniks, who I um, really cherish. But there was, oh, was yeah, did you yeah, have yeah. something you wanted to say? Sorry, I'm conscious of rejecting people who are missing. I mean, I think I probably know the answer to this, and I'm not a self-published author, for the record. But can you see a time where literary prizes might be overrated? Especially uh, given how much more close to this watching is the current literary world. For sure. Thank you. Great. Sorry. Actually, no, no. That's not the answer. I think it would be impossible for that not to be the case. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that there's even now, and I've talked about it in various places, that there's a, a, a res any resistance to it. It's just how would you manage it's the volume? It's just volume. Yeah, it's volume. It would yeah. be a volume issue. Yeah. It's not that anyone thinks you could not find a self-published book mm. that would not end up on a long list or a short list or winning a prize. Yeah. I don't think anybody Certainly editorially, that. you know, on a paper. You, the yeah. first thought is maybe suspicion. You know, what is this kind of not necessarily very well put together object, but that you shouldn't completely just rule it out of hand, should no, you? Of no, course not. No. Um, the consciousness that there comes a point where people really ought to just 
mingle or talk amongst themselves or sob gently in a corner, but has anyone else got anything else they're burning, they're burning to say? Sorry, yes, over here. Why do you think there's so few prizes, Toby, for literature in, Cause, cause, in translation? Because this country's completely useless, and we, we <laughs> voted Brexit. I mean, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid well, that's your answer. Yeah. Uh, we've got a little bit better, a tiny bit better, but I mean, yeah. We, what's the what's the percentage of translated works as a, as opposed to anglophone works in this country? Is it four percent, something like that? Four and a half percent. There you go, um, oh, Toby. Why do you hate Britain so much? <laughs> um, that's but a good you point, know, but we. I mean, Sorry. for example, something like when a big organisation like the Booker Foundation announces the Man Booker International, International. but not only does that make it a prize that is shared between writer and translator, Translator, which is not, you know, it's obviously financially great for the translation, but it's also about acknowledging what the industry is like and the fact that this is a sort of, to some extent, a kind of co-creation and needs an awful lot of work. I think that's a kind of big... Oh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I do think it's changing, but not awfully quickly yeah no and i, I find, find myself much more naturally sympathetic to the kind of sort of the the the, the, the sort of media circus of the man booker international than the man booker because it just i, I think it was re- a really important thing and it, you know it came out of the the demise of the um the yeah independent foreign, foreign fiction prize but it's a sort of a because it, it, it did used to exist didn't it the man booker international it was just sort of a, it was a lifetime achievement award a bit like the, the nobel in fact, we haven't actually talked about the Nobel, which is a... No, we no we've carefully avoided that. Do we, who we wants get... to talk about the Nobel? <laughs> Who's <laughs> ever bought Bob Dylan album because he won the <laughs> Nobel Prize? Because it's absolutely bloody pointless, I tell you. Because it's, it's such a peculiar one, and it, I feel like it doesn't really get interrogated. It's sort of the air of total, total reverence that people have for it. Even people who understand, literally, you know, sort of read a lot and, and understand the kind of the workings of the press and, and, and work in the literary industry. That there's something, there's this hallowed idea about the Nobel Prize. And it's, it's nonsense. Well, it's certainly I'm nonsense not it when you look at, you know, oh, the no, judging process itself. That, I mean, when somebody rings and you've n- you've never heard and you never, of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm deli- and you say that to someone else and <laughs> they go... Really, really, <laughs> but I mean, I'm de- I'm delighted that you know it it sort of you know has has promoted the work of Patrick Modiano or Svetlana Alexeyevich. You know that's that's great, but just the sort of I think the the air of authority it has is mm. essentially bogus. Well, and we're never going to be judges, are we? That's the problem. So you're allowed to say that. That's you can really say that. Just bitterness. Well, uh, on that absolutely bitter. <laughs> Uh, entirely Brexit-led note. Please, could you thank our two speakers, Mr. Toby Lishtig and Ms. Alex Clark, and uh, thank you very much for coming along. Thank you all. Thank Thank you, Michael. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.